0: Hey, friends. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. Welcome back to episode 77, which is part two of my conversation with Rosaria Butterfield. This episode can be listened to as a standalone, but if you haven't listened to episode 76, I would recommend you go back to hear Rosaria talk about her conversion, how she experienced Christian hospitality as a lesbian professor, how she and her husband practice hospitality, and how it goes hand-in-hand with the gospel. Today, we continue our conversation diving deep into the topic of intersectionality and how that type of identity thinking differs from Christian identity. As you listen, you will notice this is a topic I am continuing to wrestle with and seek God's wisdom and discernment through. I hope after listening to today's episode, you will be encouraged to ask God to help you speak truth and love others. Now, on to part two of my conversation with Rosaria Butterfield. Well, and that does make me shift into a little bit more of, I mean, this is a serious conversation, but maybe something a little bit heavier. And that's that, this whole conversation of Intersectionality. Just to get us started on that, because the reality is most people know what it is. They Mm -hmm. just don't know that word. Yeah. Or they have no idea that it even is something that is intentionally going on around us.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a bacterial infection that, you know, that, that we need to deal with. Well, just to back you up a little bit, you know, one of the hard questions that people have is how do you proclaim a gospel in a world where people's identities are shaped in opposition to it. You know, how can you pre- how can you say that the gospel is good news for my neighbors who identify as lesbian? It, yeah. It's not good news for them. That it will destroy them. How can you, you know, it's just, it's not kind. If you're going to be a good neighbor, just keep, keep Jesus in a little box, the back of the bedroom and don't bring them out in public because it's offensive to your neighbors. It's not a kindness. Uh, Christianity is good for Christians, but it's not good for everybody else. And you might say, well, what? What world have I woken up into? How did we get here? And and part of what happened uh, is that people, it was a bit of a sleeper thing. We did not realize, you did not, you know, most people did not realize that for, for decades and decades and decades, there's been a conversation going on in the universities And um, that conversation basically is this. Your identity is rooted in the, the things you don't have that you want and the things that you need to have in order to be fully formed. In other words, intersectionality comes from this idea that who you really are is determined by how many victim statuses you can check off and liberation can only be had if no one disagrees with you Mm -hmm. and it used to be prior to 2015 it used to be that those victim statuses were material you applied for a job and you didn't get it because of racial profiling you applied for this and you could talk about whether this is legit or not but you know these are the things Um, you know, I'm a lesbian, I walk into a, uh, into a pizzeria, and I, I don't get my pizza, and you don't give me my pizza because I'm a lesbian, and you know what? I want my pizza. Okay? Right. Material things that didn't make the transfer because of a sense of, because my, you know, let's say my sense of who you think I am. But in 2015, in the Obergefell decision, which was the Supreme Court decision to legalize gay marriage in all 50 states, there was an additional um, uh, kind of beefing up of of a clause um, that, that inserted this idea, very new idea really, of dignitary harm. This idea that people are harmed, are done like violence to their person, not only because of material things that are denied them, but because their dignity has been insulted or hurt. And so now with intersectionality, it isn't just race, class, and gender. No, 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 no. It could be ageism, looksism. It could be your allergy base. I mean, it could be really kind of things that you're like, huh, I'm not buying it. You know, but that's why, you know, it used to be okay to say, look, I can accept you. It was totally fine for Ken Smith to say, Rosaria, I can accept you as a lesbian, but I don't approve of you. That language today is considered a hate speech because a lesbian identity is considered to be sort of like a tender houseplant that cannot be treated with such um, you know, such opposition. Mm-hmm. And so that's why everybody's become really touchy. I mean, I think I talk to Christians all the time who say, When did we lose our ability to just say, Well, we don't agree? Well, The Obergefell decision is what inserted in a very legal and clear way that idea. But there are some super good resources on intersectionality and I can recommend them to you to link to the show if you'd like. That'd be awesome. Basically intersectionality comes, the the two biggies um, and I just, this is just from Denny Burke. So I just take this from Denny because I think he's absolutely right. Um, The two big issues with intersectionality is that, Um, It fosters an unbiblical view of human identity and it produces social fragmentation. So it's unbiblical view of human identity comes when you're a Christian and your boss has told you, you need to quote unquote, honor someone's pronouns and you need to change that every single day. And you're like, well, this is, this is just insane. Um, and I may lose my job over the fact that this is just insane. And social fragmentation is where where you start to believe that the only safe people are the people who think exactly as you do.
0: Gosh, and I'm so, sorry, and it's so prevalent in our world, to the point where I've bought into it on a lot of levels, Yeah, well, see, which is scary
1: well, as a believer. Everybody at a certain age group has, because it's in the water, it's in the air, you know, and so what you need to do, nobody's asking you to not be, um, you know, you need to be in this world, which means you're going to be inhaling some of the toxicity of it. Yeah. But you need to be dialogical. That means that you need to let it, you need to know what it is, categorize it in the right way and hold it up to the word of God. Yeah. That's why you have to read the scripture. You have to do that. And you have to do that. You have to slow it down and you have to do it because intersectionality creates a meta narrative based on this idea that there's oppression everywhere and that people need to challenge oppression by having a voice to speak. That's why you get that wacky conference revoice and other things. That's where you get the celibate gay Christian movement. And it's just, you know, it's just not biblical and it's not helpful and people are are crashing and burning but I think what we need to be willing to do, we, need, we have to understand that gospel life does not actually, two things. One is gospel life does not necessarily promise that you will have a voice. It promises you belonging.
0: Mm.
1: That's, what, that's what it means to be a member of a church. It means that you belong, not that you get to run the show. Mm. You know, often some, some podcast people ask me, well, how should I introduce you you know, is it Dr. Butterfield? And I'll say, well, you know, if you want to give me honor, you will call me Mrs. Butterfield. Because what really is the most honoring term to me is the term Mm -hmm. that tells me that I belong, not the term that tells me, you know, what I earned. Yeah, yeah, that what degrees I have, that's, you know, that's just, so if you'd like to honor me, it's, you know, it's Mrs. Butterfield. I mean, Rosario is fine if you can pronounce it. If, you, if you're having a hard time with those Italian A's, then you're just going to, you're going to be in trouble. But, you know, the, the, the other thing is it, is it, it, it really, um, it creates a situation where Christians are unable to enter into people's lives in a meaningful way and help yeah. And and see, and you know, there's a certain point where Christians just need to be bold enough to say, um, depending upon what your language base is, that's nonsense, or that's ridiculous, or I don't buy it, or let's rethink it. You know, a number of years ago, I had a friend call me up and say, we can't be friends anymore. I'm a lesbian, and you don't approve of me. Mm -hmm. I had to say, Ruth, I have news for you. I never approved of you. And you never approved of me. And that's because we're grown-ups." But we've always loved each other. But let me tell you, we argued about, you know, Pixar films and chicken nuggets and spankings and everything. We don't agree with each other. We don't agree. So why are you changing the rules? And she laughed. She said, well, you're right. You know, so and this is somebody who's we we still don't agree and we still love each other. But you need to just you need to kind of cut the chase with people.
0: Right. Because disagreement is is not a bad it's not a deal breaker
1: it's not a deal breaker. It, and, and also it means that no parent ever, uh, ever loved their child. Ooh, That's, you know, that's... if approval, if approval and love go together, you know, it's just insane. So I think you just have to stop it. Say, no, that's nonsense.
0: Well, and I think when I'm thinking about this, because it's something that my brain is still, is still really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And to make sure that even listeners don't get lost is the example that you shared when, you know, you were speaking to a group of people, and you talked about your friend who had large hands. Will you just briefly share that story to just kind of yeah. further help break it down to like, what does this actually mean? I mean, you've done that, but right. just to further iterate, iterate it. it.
1: It was, it was a really fascinating moment for me. Um, and it's in the, uh, I talk about it in my first my first book. It's not really my first book. It's my first book as a Christian. That's right. That's (laughs) right. There's want to know about. Um, So, um, you know, when I was coming into the Christian faith, I was still very much uh, a leader and an activist in the gay and lesbian community in Syracuse. And every Thursday night, my partner and I opened our home. And one of the people there was a transgendered friend. I actually, at the time, did not... I don't think I knew this person's real name for many years. This person went by the name of Jill, but was biologically male and was what we would call chemically castrated. Hadn't had a sex change operation as yet, but had gone through all of the hormonal changes necessary for one. And I only knew Jill as Jill. So that's the name I'm going to use because I didn't know any other name. (laughs) Right. Um, And when I was sharing... At one of these events, Jill came and said to me, Rosaria, this Bible reading is changing you and I don't like it. I need to know what's going on. And I said, Jill, what if it's real? What if Jesus is real and risen and we're all in trouble? And Jill said to me, well, I know this is real. I was a Presbyterian pastor mm. for 15 years and God didn't heal me. And if you want, I will pray for God to heal you. And at a certain point, I described, you know, my hands are on the table and then Jill's hands were over my hands as a, as a way of comfort and solidarity. Right. And I remember looking at our hands and, and realizing, um, and it was a funny moment, right. Realizing these are man's hands. Mm. You know, even though I had very much been in the world that said, whatever you think you, you want to call yourself a woman, you're a woman, you know, and, and Jill's hands were very large. Uh, I mean, Jill stood about six two. I stand five two. you know, and so anyway, I, I recount this story and I was at a university campus and I simply recounted the story. And of course, I had protesters and very angry students and I, I was exhausted. I'd spent, I'd gotten there early so I could meet with protesters, was planning on staying late to meet with other protesters. That's my rule. If I, if you're a protester, I want to sit down one-on-one with you. So, you know, it was a bit of a marathon, And but I was really flabbergasted because one of the students, you know, just first hand up, you know. How dare you insult your friend Jill? You said that Jill's hands are large. And at first I thought, exactly. Like at first I was like, you know, you gotta be kidding me, right? Come on, sweetheart. You can, we've got some other big things to talk about.
0: Guys. But I mean, Rosaria, it's so true, right? These are the kinds of things. It's not oh, always yeah. big things like yeah. I'm a lesbian. So I, just, I mean, it's crazy stuff to the point of. It is. So,
1: so I try to have a poker face. It's not easy, you know, because this is, I kind of lean in. And I said, Jill's hands are large. And the student said, well, there you doing it again. And I said, "Well, large is a descriptive adjective." I'm thinking, "Do I need a whiteboard so I can now diagram the sentence?" Uh, you know, behind <laughs> you, you know, large is. A we learned this in third grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a descriptive adjective, and and uh, I, I said something like, "It's it's just objectively true." I mean, look at me. I I'm five two. My hands barely cover an octave. If you're six two, probably guess what? Comparatively speaking, hands are large. And the student said. And it was really a, a powerful thing. Um, she said, who cares about your truth? Mm. She said, your truth hates my reality. And I will tell you, I will never forget those words. I, I mean, students have blathered on to me for years and years and years. And just by God's mercy, I forget most of the things students say to me. But I will never ever forget those words your truth your truth it it violates and it hates my reality and so how did we get to a place where it makes sense for a person to reject truth not because it's false but because it hurts Mm. you know If when we as Christians read the Bible, it doesn't hurt, we're not reading it with the right posture. They Christians will tell you there are six clobber verses in the Bible, which is absurd. There are, I don't know how many verses there are in the Bible, but let's say- There's a lot more than
0: six that are clobber. Yeah, more than
1: six. Every (laughs) verse in the Bible is a clobber verse if you are a Christian. If your heart loves Jesus- and the Holy Spirit has opened your mind, then every verse is a clobber verse. But, you know, the student went on to say that this is what causes LGBTQ and then plus, which means just alphabet soup, people to commit suicide. And I really thought, how, how did we get to a place where my words could cause suicide? But the genital mutilation that allows a biological man to masquerade as a woman is the cause of celebration and affirmation. How did we get here?
0: And what do we do now?
1: Yeah. Well, we, you know what? We call it what it is. Here, I can tell you, I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, tell me you, because it's not true, so hard. struggle. Yeah, it's Good. Not so
0: tell hard. me. I mean, so I know, but I don't. You, you
1: have to be willing. You have to be willing to speak the truth in love. Now, that will mean different things, contextually speaking. I am not saying that it is never appropriate for a Christian therapist to use a preferred pronoun if you have a person who's in a very fragile situation. I think that we we it's called a necessary fiction, and I think people in certain um, very fragile situations are, uh, you know, they need someone to come up alongside them and meet them where they are, okay? But in general, that's Mm -hmm. not, you know, we are now in a place where, uh, you know, there's a school teacher in Virginia who lost his job for saying, I I cannot use this preferred pronoun. I will call you by whatever name you want to be called by. I will use whatever name you want, but, and I will do my best to not use pronouns in sentences, but I cannot use that pronoun because it's not true. And, and I mean, this is our Bible. reality. This is the post-Christian world. It is. And so that's why I would say, and this is all post-Abergefell, that a Abergefell was very much for me a dividing line on some of these issues. I mean, prior to Abergefell, I don't think I really was all that bothered by, by pronouns and, you know, names and, Um, uh, but, but I'm very bothered by them, by them now. And so, um, I think these, but I also think these are things that the Christians need to work out with their pastors and their elders and just think Mm -hmm. through it. Because obviously, you know, are are we talking about your son? Are we talking about your daughter? Are we talking about your neighbor? You know, when you're talking to a person, you use a noun, you don't use a pronoun to talk to a person. So there, it shouldn't be all that hard to talk to your neighbors all of them but but i think i think we need to be willing and i think this is part of you know god is using covid-19 to strip away every idol we have including the idols of this idea that our jobs are so important
0: mm-hmm. well and Perhaps i not. i
1: know <laughs> <laughs> right it's like so oh all
0: of the um, glass houses come coming down quick well and i think what you have said about this is part of why hospitality is so important because the reality is it's a lot harder to have a conversation with someone who is different than you when it's just the someone you've casually met at target versus someone that's coming and sitting at your table. And I am saying that as much for
1: myself as I am for anyone listening. I agree. And, and this is true. And again, I know some street preachers who do amazing work and God has really used them to pull people out of the fire. But I'm just going to tell you, that's just not, not my style. Yeah. So <laughs> what my style is, my style is to have relationships that are as strong as my words. My words are pretty strong, but so are my relationships. And I can't tell you how many women I've sat down with who identify as lesbian. And we, you know, they're talking about the LGBTQ right stuff and I'll say, you know, 20 years ago, you know, these are older women, women my age. Can you imagine where we would have been 20 years ago in this context? And I've had women say, yeah, I know. Probably somebody would have told me I was really a man. And that would have been really bad for me. Yeah, it would have been really bad for you. You know what I'm saying? So, like, just finding the crack. But, you know, that's, the, that's back mm. to where intersectionality gets us. You know, you may be noticing I'm not saying my lesbian neighbor I'm saying my neighbor who identifies as lesbian. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I used to be a lesbian. I'm saying I used to identify as lesbian. And I'm, and I, and I, I'm, I'm using that language because I don't believe anybody's a lesbian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I mean, I, I don't believe anybody's gay. I believe gay may very well be how you feel, but it will never be who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that whole conversation of the identity the world prescribes on us now versus... Right this identity, this biblical identity.
1: Right, right. And for people who are struggling with homosexuality as Christians, and by struggling, I mean people who um, their besetting sin pattern lends itself to um, a a warm affection towards homosexuality, Mm -hmm. either for their own practice or for other people's practice, either lack of discernment or lust. I don't care. They're both sin. For those people, you have to understand, they're pretty much feeling torn apart by wild horses right now because uh, they've got the church that says no, I mean, well, some segments of the church who are rightly saying no, wrong, don't, yeah. and the world that says wonderful affirmation do. And it's, you know, it can be a very, it can just be a very, very painful time. So the, the church does need to speak truth, but it needs to be relational. Mm. And, and that is because people ought not be alone as they're battling sin. Homosexuality is an indwelling sin. And what the Bible says to do with indwelling sins is to mortify them. And John Owen's excellent book, The Mortification of Sin, mm. gives you four things you need to do with your sin. That's become indwelling. And indwelling sin is a sin that's already in the house. Don't bother locking the doors because it's already here. You know that,
0: and it's it's Um, living. We all
1: we all have that. Oh, absolutely! It's not just
0: homosexuality. Let's be very clear with people. We're
1: talking about any sin that's indwelling. Mm -hmm. I talk to more homeschool moms who deal with anger than anything else these days. Right? Yeah. So, so you do have to do four (laughs) things. Four things. Four things. Number one, you have to starve the sin.
0: Mm.
1: Number two, you have to categorize the sin properly. Put it in its right biblical place, not its right Freudian place. Whew. So when you, when you tell me I'm gay, I'm lesbian, my sister's gay, my brother's really a woman, you, that's Freud, right? You're telling me that sexual orientation, which is a 150-year-old category that Freud invented in the 19th century, is more true than being an image bearer of a holy God. Okay. That's what you're saying. I mean, yeah, I mean, if that's really how you want to come across to me, then okie dokie, but that's how you, that's how it's coming across. So no way. Don't give people, don't do that. So number one, uh, starve it. Number two, categorize it properly. It's a sin. It's not an affection. Mm. It's a sin. You can't bring that sin to the cross and walk through the other side of it because The blood of Christ does not make an ally to the sin it crushes on the cross. Mm. It's not a sin you get to have alongside the name Christian. That's part of what's wrong with the whole concept of gay Christian, whether you're practicing it or not. So starve it, categorize it, feast on the word of God,
0: Mm.
1: and fellowship with the church in a daily way. Mm. Uh, The perseverance of the saints is not one little soldier you know, against the world. It's an army of believers that, wow. that, that, that symbolize what is true about the Christian life. What is true about the Christian life is that folks are going to shoot arrows at you all the time. But what yeah. is true is that God has given you more shields than Satan has arrows. And those oh, shields man. often take the place of your brothers and sisters walking with you. In real time. And that answers questions like, with whom do I eat dinner? With whom do I vacation? Where do I move in when my depression is really bad? Those are answerable questions in the Christian life, and there should be a clear, designated place. That's so helpful for me. Good, good. I mean, and I say that because
0: we're not talking about the churches and the building. And I know some people. I know that people get that, but we don't always really get that.
1: Right, right. Like we're talking about the community of saints. Right. And right now, a lot of our buildings are just sort of standing there right now. I mean, this is, we're we're talking um, in in May, um, at least in North Carolina, there's been some lifting of shelter in. Our church met corporately last week with uh, some social distancing policies, but, you know, I'm just going to tell you, worship is is important. So we'll see what happens. But but that's right. But um, we'll meet for prayer meeting tonight in the church building. But for six weeks, I'll tell you what our our church has been used for. Um, we started a job as food delivery people, and mm-hmm. we opened up the church on Tuesdays as the place where food is stored and refrigerated and packaged. And so we've already been a, quote unquote, essential service, social distancing facility. And my daughter and I know how to clean according to code. and Right. And we do, you know, and we do. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and, but it's been sad. I mean, it, I think, I think delivering food in a pandemic is holy work. So that part's not sad. Yeah. But it's been sad to not, to, to not be there to worship. But last week. Right. Was to be with your people. And, and we're hoping, we're planning, we're just planning on proceeding forward. Yeah. And unless, unless there's another outbreak in a cluster and, and we have more information, but, That's right. but right now we have some, we have good information and we, we, we know how to, um, social distance and do other things and, worship. and move forward.
0: Well, and a question that a friend of mine had asked, and this will be interesting to see, you know, what you have to say about, but she was, she has, you know, college age kids mm-hmm. and she's like, what what do we say? And I know you're, I mean, partially is the truth, but when they, when their comment is, Oh mom, you know what it says in the Bible about that. It's just kind of that old, you know, it's kind of like, don't eat the pork. It's just one of those things about homosexuality that it's not prescriptive. It's descriptive as the terms we
1: hear nowadays. Right, right, right. I would say, I mean, it, if that is what your child is saying, then one of two things have happened. I mean, maybe maybe that, you know, for whatever reason, that child went off to college not knowing about the difference between the judicial law and the ceremonial law and the moral law. Maybe that child was raised, um, I'm going to use a scary word here, in a slightly fundamentalist hermeneutic, where every word of the Bible is just kind of a flat, like, thing you post on a stickum. You know, this Bible is a very literary text. It has every genre and trope and type. And if you started reading iambic pentameter the way you'd read a text message, you'd never show up at the right coffee shop. You know what I mean? Seriously. I I know. I
0: mean, mean, that's a great analogy. I
1: mean that sincerely. But questions of eating eating, uh, uh, Old Testament laws about, um, you know, pork or shellfish and um, cotton and linen together... Um, those are part of something called the ceremonial law and the ceremonial law ended with the, the, uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, if you're wondering where you might read this stuff, like what is she talking about? Cause I'm really kind of, you know, I would recommend all of your readers read the Westminster Confession of Faith okay. and it starts, um, it you know it's it's it of the holy scriptures because you can't possibly know what the scriptures say unless you know what they are and well and so,
0: that was the thing i was thinking about was i may have heard you or someone else say this is you know what are you feasting on and that question to our kids maybe you should read the word on your own to
1: actually see what you think
0: Well, I wouldn't go there. You wouldn't go there.
1: Here's what I would say. I mean, you could do that. I mean, I think you should, everybody should be feasting on the word of God, but I think you do need to understand that the moral law is still binding. So while the judicial, while the judicial code said a lot about the nation of Israel in the old Testament, David is the king. And that's, that, that's a historical frame. It's important to know it happened, but it's, it's no longer today. The ceremonial law, hopefully none of us are, are um, um, you know, sacrifice sacrifices. on our, our altars, you know, hopefully we're not doing that. Um, but the moral law is binding. Mm. and And you need to understand what the 10 commandments say and what they mean. Mm. And you need to understand that homosexuality is a violation of a number of them Um, just because the word isn't there doesn't mean the concept isn't homosexuality is an example of adultery because there is no legitimacy to it homosexuality violates the creation ordinance Mm, yeah that's a really big one so i think what you need to do is Um, is understand, and again, that's why I would appeal to the the Westminster Confession of Faith um, uh, and also the the Westminster Larger Catechism, really work through what the Ten Commandments mean today. They They have what's called negative applications and positive applications. And what we need to know is that we actually violate the Ten Commandments every day probably multiple ones right for sure so you need to understand it but if you read the bible the wrong way there is a wrong way to read the bible Um, and the wrong way to read the bible is to read it to uh cherry pick verses yes to prove god's wrong Mm. okay and, and if you do that, there's a really good book by A.W. Pink called Profiting from the Word. I, um, Profiting from the Word. And he says something that is very sobering, and that is that when you read the, God, the Word of God to prove God wrong, to judge God, then the Word of God will become a curse to you. Mm. And so that is why I do not say, oh, honey, just go, here's this, here's your Bible. It's just you and the Holy Spirit. You go, have a nice time. Because, you know, it sounds to me like Satan's got your left ear and he's lobbing you around by it. So you know what? You need to understand how to read this. You need to understand what this is. This is a pretty dangerous book. Mm. And and you're messing with it right now. So let me just explain to you And let me give you some material to help you understand what it is. Because if you read it in this way, it will curse you. Mm. The word of God will be its own curse to you. And so Christians have to be very, very careful. Very careful. And to that end, we have to be very careful about how we use the word Christian. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, somebody will say, but you know, so-and-so's uh, you know, a Christian and believes X, Y, Z. And I'll say, well, but so-and-so can't be a Christian if she believes X, Y, Z, because you mm-hmm. know, you're a Christian by fruit. Well, how dare you judge others? Well, I'm not judging her heart. I'm judging her words. Or, you know, let's just take an example, you know, let's take Matthew Vines who wrote God and the gay Christian. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, well, but he's a progressive Christian. Well, No, I don't. I don't accept that he's a Christian. Well, that's very judgmental. How how can you look into his heart? I can't look into his heart. I can look into his book. I mean, you know, this this is not rocket science. It's.
0: I know it's so great for me though because the way that you say things, it's like that's right. Why wouldn't I
1: say that? (laughs) Just look at the book. Just read the book. I don't have to read a heart. I just have to read a book. Yeah. So be careful. You know, don't be so quick. Well, oh, you know, it's so hard. These people are Christians. Well, I don't know. Here's what I know. In our church, you would have uh, an interview before you come to the Lord's table. And if in that interview you said what Matthew Vines just said in the book, you would not be at the Lord's table
0: Mm.
1: because that would be a judgment of the elders that you do not understand the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, am I saying that you will never be converted? No, I mean that's even the imprecatory psalms are psalms that very clearly offer grace. Lord, remove them or convert them. Yeah, but I, I'm not going to pretend that we don't have to take a stand somewhere. And if I can, you know, I was reading in um, actually it was this was in John Calvin's Institutes. He said, and I think this is extremely helpful he's talking about, he's in, uh, he's explicating Micah 3 at this point, and this is what Calvin writes. He says, the reason why many miserable souls today are led to endless ruin is because they either shut their eyes or willfully involve themselves in such subterfuges as the following, quote, I cannot form any judgment, for I see on both sides learned and celebrated men who are in some repute and esteemed. Some call me to the right hand and others to the left hand. So where am I to go? Hmm. Therefore, I prefer to close my mouth and my ears. Okay. And, and the way that's a very older way of saying it, but we might say, who am I to judge? I can't judge. I mean, mean, I'm guilty. Look, these people have studied scripture just as I have, and they just came out on a different side. So how am I to judge? And this is what Calvin says, and I think this is a good reminder. Seeking a cloak, recovering, for their sloth. Let me remind you, scripturally speaking, we're not called to be sloths. We're called to be ants. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Many thus manifest their ignorance, for we see that the eyes of the godly will be opened when the Lord exercises and tries their faith. God allows discords and contentions Mm -hmm. to arise in the church so that some may choose one way and another and others another way, though God relaxes the reins of Satan, so that contests and turmoil of all kinds may arise in the church, it is no excuse for us not to follow what the Lord prescribes, for God will always guide us by his spirit, provided we do not foster our own sloth. Okay, sloth is an old way of saying laziness. And if you cannot make a call on this, there's an intellectual and spiritual laziness. You cannot call someone to the clarity of the gospel if you yourself don't see it as clear. If you yourself believe that, um, now, now let me say this, that there are mysteries in here, and I'm not talking about mysteries. I'm talking about clear cases of obedience where um, say Baptists and Presbyterians who are true believers would agree upon the idea that homosexuality is a sin, not just its practice, but its desire. It's all of it is really clear. Absolutely intersectionality and other things that have entered the church have muddied that water, but why did they enter the church? You know, I mean, really, like, why did they, why did they enter the church? Why do people leave churches because of stupid things and not wise things? Why do people leave churches because they don't like the toilet paper and the youth group, but... And the worship style. Yeah, but worship, hey, you know, yeah, or, you know, but doctrine, hey, you know, who's, who's to, who's to judge? Well, if you don't, what you need to understand is that before Peter denied Jesus three times with his mouth... Somewhere in his heart, heart. Mm-hmm. it was there. So if you can't stand somewhere on, on clear truths of scripture, wow. that's a big heart problem. And, and your children will not be better off for it. Mm. Y- yes, teach your children to love their neighbors. Absolutely. And to pull for them too. And, and you know what? Teach your children that there's a difference between goodness and holiness. I mean, why is it that your neighbors who identify as lesbian can be the nicest people on the block? It's called common grace. That's exactly right. It it's so true. And, but it's really good. And so teach them to value that. Don't- Right. Don't
0: we're not talking good them. and bad. That's not- No.
1: No, we're, we're not. But, but holiness, which is what Christians are called to- mm. Is a very high standard and it involves what you do with your head around basic controversies. Yeah. If you need to learn more, then learn more, then do it. But but don't blather on about how, you know, it's it's all the same, it's not all the same.
0: Right. Or I should take no stance at all because who am I to judge?
1: Yeah. Well, you'll you're called to judge the angels someday. You better start, you know, grooming yourself now. Wow. And you you can do it without being a jerk. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: even realizing that other people may think that you are, and that doesn't always mean because you have an opinion and a stance that you
1: view as truth is you being a jerk. No, that's right. And and I would absolutely agree that you don't need to say everything that comes into your mind. You know, Christians need to be careful to not over answer every question that comes their way. Yeah. But when it comes to your children, when Mm. it comes to that, or it comes to family devotions, you know, that's where you just have to say it. Yeah, yeah. And anybody that's at the table is going to hear it, and some are going to stay, and embrace Jesus, and others are going to walk away.
0: Hmm. And we just need to be okay. Yes. With that reality.
1: Mm-hmm. And keep praying. Yes. When, where, where there's life, there's when you're walking away. That means you still have legs to walk on.
0: That's right. That's right. So there's hope. Yeah. Well, as we begin to close out, I hate to keep just beating a dead horse here. But again, another, I mean, another friend of mine, it's she has a mom who has been in a lesbian relationship for decades at this point. And they have a great relationship. I mean, in the sense of like, they're, they're not at this place where they're um, sure. fractured or whatever. Good. And she just said, you know what, how would Rosaria, like how can I bring up conversations or, and I, I feel like I almost know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask. Well, anyway.
1: You're called to love and respect your mom. Yeah. You know, the, the commandment to love and respect your mom doesn't stop because, uh, you know, because she currently identifies as a lesbian. I'd say if you haven't read Caleb Kaltenbach's book, Messy Grace, please read it. So good. Um, and love and respect your mom. And, and, you know, one of the things, you know, you, you would do with, with your mom is, is what you would do, what all of us have had to do with unbelieving parents. And that's pray that God orchestrates circumstances, mm-hmm. providentially speaking, so that they want to know who Jesus is. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, what you do with your mom is you do with any, anybody who's in an unholy relationship, what you are privately praying is that they're going to break up. Okay. That's just, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't care what unholy relationship it is. That's right. We're not just talking about goodness.
0: homosexuality.
1: Oh, no. That's no. right. Exactly. Pray that God will break them up. Okay. I know exactly what you're saying. So so it's no different. It's no different. Love your mom. Should yeah. should your children love their grandma? I hope so. Yeah. Can you trust? Can you trust your mom? Well, it sounds like you can.
0: Right, right. I
1: mean, like you know, it's just love your mom and don't give up on her. I cannot tell you how many older women I am meeting yeah. who are coming to Christ fleeing the lesbianism of many, many, many decades. That's encouraging. I've seeing it everywhere I go. So don't lose hope. Um, don't lose hope. Pray and speak a word in season, but love your mom. Go shopping, yeah. play with the kids, figure out what ha- what's ho- who's cooking what for Thanksgiving, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, so Rosaria, I think you're starting a new writing venture. Is that true?
1: Oh, I, yes. well, it's true that I'm supposed to be. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this is funny. You know, COVID-19 has made hospitality so busy around the Butterfields that it looks like gospel comes with a house key was hospitality with training wheels. Oh, oh my Um, goodness. Okay. So I'm just telling you that. So I'm supposed to- That's incredible, though. I've got some editors who are asking the same question. I mean, just to let you know. (laughs) <laughs> I, spent, I spent I don't know twelve hours yesterday de- de- delivering groceries in the rain, and oh, well, so I think been, that's I've amazing. Been, though. I've been real busy during COVID nineteen, but yes, I'm supposed to be writing a new book, and um, uh, and I better get on it. So thank you, Amber. This that's is right. Get to work. Get We're it. waiting for it. Because, yeah. you know,
0: it's like a year and a half or more before we ever get to see it. so Or,
1: or longer. I'm I know. <laughs> really, I, I've gotten to this point where, you know, I'm losing my hearing. Uh, all the kids are taller than I am. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's okay. But I'm, I'm moving slowly. But the general gist of the book, it, it is an offshoot of that essay I wrote in October called How Psalm 113 Changed My Life. and mm-hmm. And basically... It is a way of explaining what it means to go from feminism to faith mm. and why it's important that those lines be clear. Why oh, it's very, very it. important. Back to the question of category, why feminism be very clearly uh, categorized in a separate place from actual faith in Christ. Mm. So that's the... that's the. Um, that's just, but right now, I'm like, I'm reading spreadsheets and develop and you know, delivering tomatoes.
0: <laughs> Listen, that's probably a lot more peaceful than what you're going to face once that feminism <laughs> versus faith in Christ comes out. So enjoy yeah. your time, girl. <laughs> you know, you're not the only one who said that to me.
1: <laughs> They're just gonna you know, like. You like Greek, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think the Lord's just giving me this little time to enjoy it while it lasts, Rosaria. You got it, it, sister. And I will.
0: That's right. Well, thanks so much for talking to me for so long. I'm going to split this episode in two and say I could have
1: talked to her for another hour. So thank you. Awesome. I'm going to text Shannon right now. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Amber. Well, you know how to find me if you need anything.
0: Thank you. Well, friends, just as I began last week, I will end this week. This conversation with Rosaria is one I will forever treasure as it caused me to think and consider how I love others and share the truth with them in my day-to-day life. If you would like a bonus peek into the Grace Enough podcast happenings, sign up for my newsletter. I won't clutter your inbox, I promise. You can do that by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com and a drop-down menu will allow you to sign up. Each month, I send out a short letter with links to what Grace Enough is reading, listening to, recommending, along with a few freebie suggestions. All links and resources mentioned in today's episode can also be found at graceenoughpodcast.com under the show notes tab, episode 77. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time!